Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. This week's episode is a shift from my usual CEO or expert conversation because, quite frankly, I wanted to try something different. What you will hear in this episode is a conversation between my friend Tanisha, who is somebody I have worked at at a previous client. And she came into my life as talent I had to assess and ultimately support her in her journey to provide amazing value. And it is so cool. As this conversation went on, it gets more and more fluid and animated. So I also encourage you to stay on, stay on to the very end of this podcast interview for the bonus material as we flip the switch and Tanisha interviews me, and then I lay it all out on the table. Enjoy the free-flowing conversation and be inspired by our conversation. And now, on to the show. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I am so excited you've joined us on another episode of the podcast where week after week, I get to bring amazing people onto the show who share their insights with us and possibly even inspire you. And just know I bring these conversations and guests to you because I truly care about the C-suite leader of today and of tomorrow to help you navigate your challenges or even your opportunities with confidence. And this week, this is going to be a delight because I have my good friend, Tanisha, who is on the show with me today. And she is all-encompassing. I mean, her expertise in the area of training and development and education of others is outstanding. Her areas of expertise are in food safety and regulatory compliance. She is a leader in the food safety space, always an operations and get everybody to get things together because at the end of the day, she really, really cares about customers and consumers and providing them the best service, the best quality, for which I am grateful to have her in my network. So, Tanisha, it is my honor to welcome you onto the show. Thank you so much. It's my honor to be here. Thank you, Deb. Those are beautiful words. Appreciate it. And you are a beautiful person. I mean, to my audience, I have the good fortune of actually working with Tanisha a bit (laughs) and actually many, many conversations about life, about politics, about everything. She is a bundle of energy, but also has strong insights and views about different topics for which I just want to bring them to you and just, if nothing else, have a little bit of fun and you never know what's going to happen. She's going to put me on the hot seat as well. But anyway, you know, I am going to just start a little bit because this will go a little bit into how we know each other. And again, to my audience, this may not be scripted like it normally is. But I do want to know, Tanisha, because I don't think we've talked too much about this. When I first came to be working with you, I'm not sure what you thought of me to begin with or what was it like later to work with me, because I think it's important. (laughs) It is. It is. I don't know how much you remember because we hadn't met yet and we had a conversation. Okay. We spoke together in regards to a position that was opening up, and I believe you were the CEO or the stand-in for that at that time. So they asked for your, you know, please speak with this person, give us the evaluation. Is it going to be a good fit? And we had a very 
inspiring conversation, a very detailed conversation. There were several questions. I gave you some of my background. You gave me some of your background. There were some pointers in there as well. But when we concluded, we were like, I feel like you grasp this concept and that you will be a very good fit for this position. <laughs> As always, I'm very thankful for that insight. It was very insightful, I want to say, the conversation that we had. Because you had some formalities you had to go through in regards to making the evaluation, but it was very connected. I was homed in and we talked about like concise because you did get what I was saying, but we had to kind of bring it back and, and bring it around. Is this what you mean? Yes, that's what I was trying to say. And it kind of just bloomed from there. So when we actually got to have face-to-face contact, it, it continued to blossom from there. That's our meeting. But if we ask, if you have any other questions in regards to us working together, I have little stories and antidotes for that as well. Well, we'll pepper those in. But I will just remember, you were talent that we were looking at for a particular position. And it was one of those things you had just so much positivity, so much energy. And while you may not have known all the details of the job, I could definitely check the box on 60 to 80% of the requirements. And I absolutely knew you had the capability to learn the rest. And, you know, I don't even think you doubted yourself. You as an educator and also a student realize I can learn this. I mean, you've been in so many other positions and over time I can learn it. And I can say you did blossom into that position. So I'm so grateful that you, you moved into that. Thank you. Yes. With it being that it, there was a technical part that could be taught, I think that there was a confidence that still said, like you said, with the accumulation of experience, kind of bring it on. And whatever it is that I am not there with yet, I'm going to inquire further. I'm going to learn it. I have outlets. You made yourself very available for any of that learning. You also had spoke to me about what is the description and keep the open circles and check the boxes, which where you did capture it. And that's, I did follow that for a very long time until I've completely assimilated (laughs) into the particular position. You already shared what your impression is when meeting and saying, yes, I can see that it's what, 60 to 70% that this is covered and that I would grasp whatever else. So that is having that behind me too, I think was very helpful in regards to getting into the positions and and the, the joys and the challenges that would come. But what makes you different and made it, and again, we're going to move on from this because I, I really care about you as well, is the fact that compared to some leaders, they don't have the awareness to realize like, hey, there's this external resource that wants to help me or provide me some alternate ways of thinking about things or help me to build my technical skills. Or in your case, you had the technical skills, but you know, how to how to message, how to communicate in a way that'll have greater impact. You kept asking all the right questions. <laughs> Whereas some people, it's like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah, I got this. Right. And as soon as you walk out the door, they don't got that. I know, I know. So, you know, kudos to you for that new leadership. Thank you. I I think that it's very important. I mean, ask the question. You don't know if it's the right one or not, but if you have, inquire. What's the worst? I'd love to talk about a particular thing because this is an area where I think a lot of people can learn from this experience that you and I had together. And it comes to communication. You are a very articulate communicator. You're a very good technical leader. I remember what you talk about is you like to educate people so that they have a greater understanding and awareness. But you also had some challenges being able to like communicate up 
And I know that there was a time where you try to communicate one way and leadership didn't listen to you. But over time, you learned a few skills for which leadership had to hear you. And I was just wondering if you could just tell a little bit more about where you were at and what have you learned in terms of communicating to have better impact? Well, I think that's the important part is what you're communicating. And so you're still trying to bring something up that needs to be addressed. So what is the palatability or what is within the realm of your presentation? So you know what? One of those not old fallbacks, but things that you kind of go to is documentation. Document it, write it down, forward it via a source that is easy for people to absorb. And it also keeps record because you did acknowledge something that it needs to be addressed. So it gives it a time and a date. <laughs> as well. And that is very important. I say CYB, but you want to make sure that you are addressing, because it does. Sometimes it comes back around to say, hey, six months from now, we are addressing this. Why didn't anyone say anything? It was like, kind of like I did. I just want to say that I tried to present some. And that's another thing. So I think you can bring into the foreground is I don't just present the issue or the problem, present some solutions so that it starts some kind of a resolution or maybe a communication or a conversation. Have a meeting, bring together the people who are going to brainstorm or come to some kind of conclusion because you don't, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what somebody else knows. And their suggestion might be what closes that or at least gives some kind of reconciliation to the situation as it is now as we think about what we can do later. I know. And I remember you, <laughs> you you were working with me. I said, Deb, I got this big meeting that I'm having with this higher up. I said, you know, okay, well, make sure you write, like you said, write it down, have pictures, have a storyboard or something like that. And I remember after the conversation, you came back and talked to me and said, Deb, they kept asking me more questions about it. Deb, I, you know, I couldn't answer all of them. Some of it I did. I don't know if they liked it. <laughs> and I remember you were befuddled here, but I don't know if you remember that conversation and what happened. It might have been a presentation in regards to something that we were doing that was introduced. Maybe it was, I don't know if it was a relatively around. It was the plant manager that kept asking you questions. It was something around a part of your food safety initiative where you had an opportunity to say, we need to do X, we need to do Y. And what happened is they wound up asking you lots and lots of questions. And I remember you coming back and saying, Deb, I said, I don't know if I did a good job or not. I said, what you did, you delivered the information in a way that they could understand to have a conversation and ask more questions and dig deeper. Sometimes when we're so technically smart and you present to the higher ups, they don't know our language. So then they're just quiet and you say, okay, I guess they got it. And no, they didn't. <laughs> you at least got somebody to talk and ask questions. You remember that? I'm still, I, I there's so many conversations. <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> you remember it. Okay. Well, I'm glad that, and I don't know if it ever, if I ever spoke to you about it again to say, these are the things that, was there any other things that came up after to say, we've highlighted these things or we decided to address them? Because that might give me a better recollection, but I also, like you said, so they asked questions. So that means they were actively listening and they wanted to do something exactly, about exactly. anything. What was the conclusion? And if you didn't hear anything, sometimes no news is good news. And maybe there was some things that were the effect that happened was health and it made an improvement. So that was its conclusion that things got addressed. And I think that's what's important. I mean, of course, across the board, they make a lot of different decisions and reasons why they make decisions. Just still bringing this into the arena of, please 
take this in consideration about a decision on this. You're a great communicator. And I just remember that you have just, like you say, continue to blossom. But I, I want to start moving in another direction because I know when we were prepping for this conversation, you said, Deb, I, w- I would love to talk about this and that. And I think there are some actual topics that we should be talking a little bit more about. I know on my podcast, I'll talk to CEOs and tell me about your career journey. And yeah, that's interesting and all. But I also, you brought a, a topic to me that I thought was really interesting. And I'd love to go at it with you. And you talked to me about the younger generations and they're only staying in jobs for two years. Is that a problem or is that our current reality? I want to know what you think. (laughs) I think that it is a current reality. I think, you know what? I know I brought it up and we had preparing, like I said, and talking about it. As I got to thinking about it, I think it's a symptom of something else that happened. We're going to have to just go with it. So it is a whole different generation who's looking at it that way, and they're putting that out in their communications. But there was a very healthy employee market for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think in that, there was a time when it became an employer market. And that's when a lot of disloyalty started to happen. And now we're kind of getting a balance or coming back to an employee market. So the combination of the different generation in which you're going to be having coming to the workforce and what happened when it was shifted has created that. Because my grandmother worked for LA County for 37 years. You're not going to see that anymore. I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure there are people who have longevity in regards to where they're at, but it's shifting now. And so some of us are getting, that's the new possibly what's going to be happening. What about the people who have been five to seven years? Are they going to reconsider and maybe make that, that jump? So where it was that you stayed somewhere very long, what's the new thing that's going to be for the generations to come is that you don't. Yeah. And you know, when it's unusual and different, they start giving it a a name as if it's something that's wrong and it's broken. Like, you know, maybe somebody does say, stay in a place for like 15 to 20 years and then they are let go at like 50 or 55. They'll throw ageism at it. And I said, no, no, no. I said, it's not necessarily ageism, but companies are looking for quick fixes and improve the bottom line, get rid of those higher end salaries. But what they're losing vision on, (laughs) I know I took the, I took the mic from you. Go right ahead. Go right (laughs) ahead. But what they're losing vision is the the, the value. Short term, yeah, maybe they want to cut costs. But do you think about all that value that you lost with all that experience? I said, maybe change your business model and maybe contract these people out. Maybe you don't have as many hours, but you retain that intellectual property. I think business owners, I think industry needs to rethink that relationship with employees and employers. So what if some of the younger generation moves every two years? Think about how much value you're going to get out of that young buck (laughs) in those two years. (laughs) Interesting. You're right. There is a, sometimes they do think about that. If I can, the price point in which somebody else is at, but the experience in which they're going to lose, they're going to bring somebody else in for a a lower price point. But then you have to, they're going to have to start taking into consideration that person that might not stay for very long. Yeah, you know, and I used to look at my kids and my eldest son, because I am of a generation, you stick around for a job three, five, seven years or what have you. Put in your time. Put in your time. And then my son was like, oh, 18 months, nine months. Like, what's going on? And I'm thinking, oh, maybe he's creating his own internship program. Do a little here, do a little there, zigzag up the corporate ladder. But then it's like, oh, that's just what they're doing. But it's okay. That's what they're doing. Yes, yes. And it's gathering experience. It's gathering knowledge and and working in different environments. I'm sure it's beneficial. When I saw the 
message, that message that when I saw it about like shifting, the way it was being stated was you can think about yourself in regards to promoting yourself. So if you're at the place and they're promoting you every two years, then maybe you don't need to, but you should be thinking about promoting yourself. And if at a two years, you can get somewhere else where you're going to increase what amount of income, do it. Knowledge, wisdom, experience that you can, then do it. You know, it's funny. I have been a manager in the room when we were looking at talent. You know, I had gotten to a certain level and I remember hearing people saying, oh, they almost left or they're looking for more money or they're looking for that promotion in less than two years. Who are they? Right. Well, maybe we should look at things different, not look by at time, but maybe the value and responsibility and not say time and time served <laughs> before you can actually move up. Because it does, it affects, it trickles. Well, I don't know if it trickles up or down because then you start talking about the resume and somebody's going to inquire with you. Why were you only here for this long? Or why do you have this much of a break in between? So I think it's going to change. Who knows if there's more and more that are it's being done more often, it's going to change that whole level of how it's looked at. And and you know what? I've actually been judged or people have looked at my resume. I was going for some contract work, you know, something that would be 9, 12, 18 months. And they kept saying, Deb, you keep jumping around every six months. What's going on? Well, I was a fractional quality leader here and I was a fractional chief operations officer. I dropped into organizations three to six months, but bam, the impact that I had. But people are still judging people on time versus what goods did you deliver? Got to change. <laughs> And I think that kind of leading up and how you were speaking in to say like the longevity or people not doing that or what they end up losing by letting somebody else go and giving them the capacity to come back in as a consultant and still get that experience or still have that on their radar. Maybe it's a part-time capacity or when they have an inquiry because they know this person's expertise. So that says, yes, as you pursue different contracted agreements, you were able to obtain that information, but you were also able to give them the knowledge you needed and you needed to be in several different places. But you also run your own thing. We're going to have to keep a, like a finger on the pulse or good observation in what direction it's going. I think just to sum up these last few minutes is employers need to view how they resource the work a little bit different. It might be a little bit transient. Some people, maybe core competencies, if you're an R&D facility, yes, you want to keep those people working on the same projects, but those other disciplines, maybe they come and go, you expand, you contract based on your business needs. And I think businesses just need to rethink things a little bit. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. 
I want to take you in another direction because I think both of you have had experiences about working in not so optimal organizations. I will use the word toxic or not toxic. And sometimes work environments you endure and sometimes you say, I got to get out of here. So what I'm wondering, and just because I have some views on this, when you are in a non-optimal, maybe as bad as a toxic environment, do you stay and try to endure and change or shall you go? I'm just wondering what your thoughts are around that. Very interesting because you're right. I have experience in that as well. I've seen it on lots of different levels because at some points it's so toxic that it does turn people out. Without you having to be the one who makes the decision, you're not there anymore. But with it being that you can be in an environment and it may have some toxicity in it, and with that challenge, I can't say what other people could do. I can only say that I had to see where I contributed. It was I a part of the chaos. Am I the change that I want to see? What, what can I do? Because there's only one person within the realm of my control, and that's me. So I just took a different way of looking at it and said, okay, well, to this particular environment that I'm going in on a regular basis, and I might possibly wait and see what happens, or I'm here, let me make the changes that I need to make. I love this, (laughs) Tanisha. You drop in in a lot of different places. It doesn't take very long for you to recognize if it's toxic or non-toxic. You have a shorter stint there. But if you had to put it in your mind to say, hey, I know why people are staying or leaving, or if I would stay or leave, how do you make that decision? Okay. (laughs) So this is very cool. I will recognize it very quickly, but I will try to understand the undertow of what what is that, that it became a survival mechanism that either people are passive aggressive or show up late or people saying things about other people behind the bar. I need to understand deeper. To your point, I don't fall victim to the environment because I know I got to get in and I got to get out and I got to fix something. So I acknowledge it, but I will try to do my engineer thing. What's the root cause of this? What was the enabling behavior for this bad behavior? And let me be the better person. Speak from a place of reason. Speak with a completely different voice. And over time, people will follow because I am the voice of reason and not falling into that toxicity. Now, there's a caveat to that. It's not sustainable. (laughs) You get to have conversations with the higher ups as they have put you in place and entrusting you. And you come to them and you say, to be frank and honest, this is what I've seen. Do they want to do anything about that stuff that's happening? Oh, you want to go there. So let's go there. (laughs) No, I mean... I, well, first of all, this is a this is a change for me to be able to potentially face confrontation because I hate risk. I hate confrontation. I'll just put it out there, even though I will drop into chaos all the time. All the time. <laughs> I have had to have that conversation about this is what people are seeing, either in your leadership style. This is what they're feeling. And I just need to share that with you. You can take it or leave it. But I need to at least as a leader in your ear or your eyes say, this is what I'm seeing and feeling you, the leader, can choose or not to hear and at least try to make some changes if the buck stops with you because it does kind of start at the top. People will mirror or respond, react to how you are. So I have had that. I have had to actually even be a mediator in order to smooth over a relationship with that higher up. Don't know if I've been able to change the environment, but while I was there, it was better. And so I will, I'll circle back to the sustainability. 
Okay. So is it more sustainable when you do have the challenging conversation as opposed to you're dropped in, you've recognized it, you're addressing it, you see what it is? I'm not sure right now, but I believe for the time that I was there, the leader that I was working with for which the environment was a little bit challenging did seek to understand their impact. And I did see evidence of them changing. But that changed is hard. I know. I have to change myself over the years. It is hard. I don't know if it's sustainable, but I bet you someday I'm going to talk to that leader again and I will learn if it isn't. I'm no longer with that particular client, though I love them dearly. But if they call me back, I will find out if it was a sustainable change because, again, things roll down and then roll up. Please, let yes, I think that we need to start having those stories too. I don't know how much you retouch base for where you're at, but it is, you're your own corporation, but do you reach back out and say, hey, this is the impact that I was able to make? Even if we're making big or small or victory is victory and victory to victory. So one of the things I thought was really interesting because I saw this while we were working together is that you, of course, reported to a manager and you saw things in what the manager could maybe do better. And I think we might have even talked about it. And I said, yeah, just go in, share your thoughts and ideas. And I know you've got a lot of courage, but I'm just curious because I wanted to talk about this because this is a really important leadership point about managing up. Managing up is kind of the thing where you need to influence your boss or maybe suggest to them that they might want to do something different or something new versus sometimes it can have a negative impact. And I'm wondering if you've had any experience where you've had to manage up and did it work or did it go south? Probably both. What I'm trying not to focus on, I guess, is when it goes south or when it maybe, I don't know what kind of results. Like you said, we exist in a bubble in some situations and some people kind of don't want to hear about themselves. No matter how you present it, it's still going to be defensive. So you have to reel it back in or it might dissuade you from doing it for a little while. But like you said, the courageous part. So what I come to find, I guess, out of those situations where I might not necessarily have specifically remember that what happened, but was not well received, when did I address it? So if I do have a successful one, it's probably a little bit more of a candid conversation because I already have a rapport. It's not the first day that they've stepped into this office and then I'm like, I know what we could do better. Let them get their feet wet. Let them get a perspective. Let something come up that they say. And then if you're actively listening, you'll be receptive to know that this is probably that space in the moment to address the fact that, hey, I'm following the chain of command. Hey, I am available. Hey, I was responsible for these things and I still am available. Or what can we do to make it better? And what I have seen, you know, I feel or I've seen in the past or I saw that you've done this, this and this. Do you entrust this to the available people that you have or make that correlation like, oh, I know such a if you work with people's strengths. I think that I'm a firm believer in that. It works better when I work with somebody who does that same thing. And I happen to have that opportunity. So we really resonated there. So when it is time to manage up, use some of the things that you guys already relate to. And do it more candidly. Don't make it a, I'm barging into the office. (laughs) This is not okay. And this is how we're going to do it now. You're not telling anybody. You want them to have a back and forth in a conversation or melt it in their mind and think about it. 
Yeah, I, I love what you say about that because I think, and I know I've been scared in the past, like I want to make a suggestion or a better way and I'll get like anxious about it, write things down on a piece of paper before going in there. But you, you brought up a really important point is that they're people too. And you have to see them as part of humanity, as a common ground. And when you see them as just another human, they just have a different set of responsibilities. Having rapport, that is the greater opportunity. Even if you went into their office, I need to tell them about such and such, but you wound up shooting the breeze for 15 minutes. You know what? That's the greater opportunity. Go back to them tomorrow with your idea. And you know what? Oh, yeah, Tanisha, come on in. Let's talk. And set up a meeting. Continuous improvement is not a present the issue. Like here, you documented, and here are some of the issues that you've seen, and here are some solutions that you're suggesting. Set up a meeting, recognizing that they are people and they have a schedule and they have responsibilities as well. So ask, and just like asking questions, it still falls within that. But don't be afraid to ask. So you find yourself. You remember we were talking about what makes you. Do I stay or do I go? Well, you have these frustrations, but you're not thinking of a way to address them. Maybe they do have a solution or maybe they don't know and they need to hear it, but you're sitting on all this information and you're not pushing past your own comfort zone to address it. So that's your part that you're playing in it. That's why you're unhappy there. And I'm not saying that there are not things that happen in situations where it's not your fault and that it makes you unhappy. Not everything is to be looked at as, because you can look at it and be like, yeah, I know what the situation is and I know what is having this be a fury. However, if you do have stuff and you're just trying to ask somebody, inquire, how do I present this and manage it up? And then absorb some of that information and and push through that power, push through that comfort zone. And maybe you'll be better on the other end. Oh, I'm not as frustrated as I thought. Yeah, I I will say 80% of the time when you push through to your point, through a challenging conversation, you do get some progress from it. But I got to ask you a question. This is not on the list, Anisha. (laughs) Ask away. I'm curious. Have you ever mentored anybody? Because again, this is what I do. I look at people. I listen to people. I see you through a different lens. I see you as a leader, as a manager. And wise. Have you ever mentored anybody formally or informally? I have. They do have programs. I've been mentored, several but several people, and I have mentors. It was a program where you could sign up as a mentee and a mentor, but they had far more mentees than they had mentors. So I didn't get the mentorship part. So I was just getting mentored as opposed to being somebody else's. But you had sent some information, and I was looking over it because we're going get to in, get into what you're involved into actively outside of what you do for income or what would you do as you consider work or a job. But I want that to be something that goes on my list. So I currently am a Girl Scout and I do Girl Scouting. I'm very interested in that avenue. But that is a kind of a mentorship. You just have nine to 11 little girls. (laughs) That is a challenge. (laughs) Depending on how long you've had your troop or been involved, they become young women. And I've had like greatest comments. They brought me to tears before. Like when I go to college, I want to still talk to you. I want to make sure we have contact and I want to communicate with you, which is, you're right. So that is still mentoring. But no, I don't have anybody that I mentor currently, but I have it on the on the list of something to say, I want to add that to what do you do on the outside? Because I saw some of the things you do and one of yours was mentorship. So tell me a little bit about things that you do outside of doing this. Mm. 
<laughs> I do too much and I've been pulling pulling back the layers. But, you know, yeah, that's the other thing. I love mentorship too. I'm the immediate past president of Women in Flavor and Fragrance Commerce. We have chapters in Cincinnati, Chicago, and New Jersey. So I was the president this last year, but also head of the... Thank you. Thank you. It's a wonderful women, lots of energy, lots of ideas. We did some great things, increased membership, but I am also the head of the mentorship committee. So each year we get several women or men, we don't exclude, who wish to be mentors, who then give a presentation about their skills and their interests, and then the mentees watch them. It's almost like a dating service. And and then they match them up. And we match them up and we check in over the year. And I've had the good fortune of mentoring three different people. And just to see them bloom and blossom and gain confidence, because I will tell you, confidence is the base of what's holding everybody back. It is not imposter syndrome. It is just the confidence. And you need to pull that out. So that's just one thing I do. Podcasting, you know that. Podcasting, (laughs) uh, the curling. I curl. I just got done with curling this morning. So thank thank you for pushing our time a little bit off. I had a shower and everything. But yeah, I am a semi-amateur curler. I've been curling for 15 years. And I got a silver medal in 2017 at Notre Dame University in the Arena Curling Nationals. So I wear that badge of honor. I know I can curl good most of the time. The rest of the time, we're just having fun. And how fast can we get to the bar afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. And the advancement over the time from when I met you, I'm not to say that you weren't taking it seriously, been doing it for 15 years, but to continue to be involved in hearing more and more strides. You do take a lot of who you are. You're, I think the authenticity of who you are, that's what is why you can be successful or mentor or where you're at because not they're not separate. Yes, we are. Here's our life and here's our work. But who you are is what you bring to dropping in or holding a position or whatever. And that's why that imposter syndrome, because I thought about that as well. And I think that you can be guarded to observe, but then ultimately your own authentic self will still show through. If you are working on yourself authentically, who you are, so you don't, you might not be, somebody else might look at it like you're being an imposter. No, I've read and observed this situation and this is why I'll act accordingly. The imposter part maybe was like the faking it, but you've made it and you're authentic. You were doing the outside the, the, where it looked like it was being fake to do your observation. People don't know you. They don't know your background or where you came from unless they give themselves an opportunity or you give yourself an opportunity for somebody to get to know you. But yes, there are times when it does look like imposter and some people are. I'm not to, to downgrade people who are experiencing that because there are people who cannot actually be who they are at work. And that's frustrating. And that's negative energy. That's hard to keep the two personas. Because there's some people who you get to observe people looking like they're doing exactly and being exactly who they want to be every day. And you're not getting that opportunity. So think about what's creating that. Is that coming from higher up? Is that coming from the demise of the morale in the situation? This is creating the non-toxic, toxic environment. I could talk about this because I actually... It's one of those things, and again, it's a little bit of confidence, like letting people see who I am. My hair isn't perfect. I've got a little bit of a space between my teeth. (laughs) Am I going to say the right things? Uh, Gee, I don't do Botox. I've got some wrinkles showing up. You know, very concerned about how I look. And will people respect and hear what I have to say? And I have been in environments where I've been a little bit more stiff and engineering-like, and I can't show my persona because 
who wants to see Deb that's this podcaster when I'm trying to deliver on technical content to help solve a business issue? However, I will tell you, I'll come home at night and get frustrated because I didn't let my true self out. And as soon as things started changing at this company that I was with, and they said, Deb, we want you to do a little bit more change management. You communicate really well. We want you to do more of that. It's like, I can be myself I now. Here I, and it's so interesting because you had asked a question earlier about how we met, but we had started working together because as making that decision to say, hey, you've covered 60 to 70%. You're going to learn some, you have some of the technical skills. We're going to add some other things. We went out on the floor <laughs> and we hadn't gotten to very many rooms quite yet. You were like, well, sometimes some things just really get my get me going, but you never broke a sweat. <laughs> you were saying the words as if you were frustrated or angry about it, but you never broke a sweat, broke your stride. We kept going forward, but it was to see that, hey, I don't want to say a controlled frustration, but I see what you're saying in regards to having to reel it in for where you're at. <laughs> because people will hire me because they're already in chaos or crisis. They don't need another flippity jibber person. It's like, oh my God, this place is so screwed up. No, I got to come in with a calm voice. This is what I see. Do you see the same thing? You know, I have some ideas. We might want to that smooth voice to get people out of the chaos. You, did. you know, you're like, there's some things, and you were honest about how you were feeling at the time. You just didn't have to show it in a chaotic manner. It was very. I don't want to say pleasant. It was nice. It was so good because I'd already been there seeing some of the stuff. So I was like, oh, good. This is a safe. It was very safe because I wasn't alone anymore. <laughs> and to my listeners, I didn't pay Tanisha to say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you did not. The listeners. You know, I think you and I could talk about a bunch of different things here. And I know I got a zillion questions here, but I think the fact is that... Well, I'll have to come back. <laughs> you know, those ratings, let's get those ratings up there. The downloads, we love downloads. If you like Tanisha and Deb Coviello, go at it again about real topics and... Yeah, it's just, you know, I think we need to probably talk more about this because these are the things that are really bothering people. And I really enjoy the fact that you and I just kind of went back and forth on these topics. But because you were my guest, would just love to ask if there are any last parting thoughts for our listeners that you want to share before we bring this to a close. That is a very good question. That's unscripted as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> I Like I said, be in the moment. If you want to be able to have that strategic navigating, oh, this is a situation that I, sometimes you have to just really find it inside. <laughs> They're not nobody else's responsibility to bring it to you. It's your responsibility to bring it to yourself and try it. Just try it and see if it makes a difference. You don't have to subscribe. You don't have to be sold. Subscribe. Like and subscribe here. It's parting words, and I can only speak out of experience because it's helped tremendously in some of the areas where I'm trying to navigate. Tanisha, it has been a pleasure, and I want to thank you for dropping in on the Drop-In CEO podcast. I appreciate you so much. I, and you as well. So I just want to wish you well, much success, and stay tuned for the next conversation. Take care now. When Tanisha and I got done with the interview, we realized there was so much more we wanted to cover, including her interviewing me and what was my take on a few topics that I was wildly passionate about. And also, Tanisha is a podcast YouTube host in the making, and it was so fun to see how she managed me. I'm delighted to share this bonus material and hear me really let my hair down. So, okay, how do you feel? 
how do I feel about what? <laughs> well, I, how did it go? This was a, like a kind of a breakout. You're doing something oh, yeah, a little bit yeah. different. So, so on that, that flagship voyage. Okay, I just want to say thank you. First of all, I hate being out of my comfort zone. But when I'm out of my comfort zone, you never know what's going to happen. And I just, I think this went really well. I think in the beginning, we were kind of like, okay, we're just, you know, treading water back and forth. We're kind of getting into a groove. And then I don't know what it was, but then bam. Okay. (laughs) It was fine. It was good. And I think there's great entertainment value in being unscripted to see where it goes. Again, I kept looking down at my questions, but I felt it was okay. I did a little bit of that as well. I I didn't write anything, but yes, once you let me know, of course, uh, send me the information so that I can go look and of course, like and subscribe. Uh, But I want to see where it was before to see the difference. I don't have a marker of that. Yeah, but you have the podcast that you already did before, right? Right, but uh, how you've changed, how you're exploring, how you're expanding. I need to see your previous ones to, yes. And so I think oh. that I had a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really good about it. I can't wait. I'm totally honored and feel appreciated. That's why I kind of like, hey, make sure you like and subscribe. I'm relatively new at this. You've been doing it longer, but it still makes you new at this since you're changing how you're going about it. I, again, a little bit less scripted and going down maybe into topics that I would avoid because they're risky and I'm not sure what my position is or how to manage it. Okay. And the conversating, you usually pose a question, somebody answers a question, you go to the next question. What things were risky that you did? Well, normally I'll always ask a question, respond to it. They'll respond back. I might respond one more time and then okay. I'll say, you know, this is great, but I'd love to move in another direction. That's oh. my segue to another question. So some podcasters will say, question, answer, question, answer. Boring. <laughs> No more. But the thing is, I had to be present. If you were starting to go down a path, I can't be looking at my notes like, okay, let's move to ages. And when you're talking about toxic environments, I have to be ready to say, no, we're not ready for that convert question, or it just doesn't flow into what we're doing. So I had to be very in the moment, where is this going, to, okay, let's just go there for a little bit. Let's just stay (laughs) and not worry about the time and if my audience is going to enjoy it or not. Let's just go there and just see. Well, I want to, with it being that you turned it back up, there was some stuff that we didn't hit. And then I thought it was still important. Oh, right, let's ask me a question. Yes. this Okay. So that's what I'm going to go to. One of the ones that I did mark, communication styles of technical leaders. How do we make sure they hear us? I said, yes. How do we do that? Say that again. How to make sure that you're heard as a technical leader or what's my advice or... Communication styles of technical leaders. How do oh. we make sure they hear us? So I think we kind of delved into that oh. and we said them about a different approach. But when I made a note here, I was like, yes, how do we do that? <laughs> yeah, oh, well, you know, it, it's interesting. So what I have found, and I talk about this a lot, is the fact that technical leaders, we celebrate them because we teach them to talk tech. Here's my data. Here's my chart. And the top three issues contributing it are A, B, and C. We need to get new equipment in order to fix this thing. And as soon as you say, here's my data, here's my top three things, and we need to spend money, blah, 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 (laughs) okay? People's ears are going to shut off. They're going to go on the defensive. That's not in the budget. Let's take that offline. And 
people such as yourself, technically smart, you know your stuff, we need to shore up this program, otherwise we're going to have customer complaints or what have you. You know that stuff. But have we shared with you or coached or mentored you on how to say it a little bit differently in order to connect? Right. Okay. And that's what's missing. Connect with their emotions, their heart, their money, their pocket. We haven't taught you that. And don't make it always about pocket. I know that there was a lot of, because I had conversations as there going to be an environment that you're in and you kind of inquire with who you work with. And I was like, hey, I'm interested in some of the solutions you have that don't involve any money. Oh, my ears perked up. Not, it doesn't involve money. <laughs> yes, that don't involve money. And I'm not saying like as Band-Aids, because sometimes there is stuff that you need to do in the immediate or later on, we're going to put money towards it. But yes, it's some things that are around the house that you can still address. That's not just focus. Oh, until we get the money, we can do that. We can't work on anything else. But you can. I know. If you've got leaders that are sitting on their computer and not out on the production floor and you want to get a new piece of equipment to speed up the production line, you're going to speed up making bad stuff. You need to get leaders out on the floor to be able to help the people, be more efficient. I agree with you. And to kind of be that, what they see, so they know that this is happening, not randomly, but regularly. Ageism. So I don't know if I, what about ageism? Is it a real thing or another way to create divisiveness in society? What is the, what is this really about? And I kind of just made a note, what is it really about? So I I'm asking the question because I'm not particularly, I know there's different generations, but what defines ageism and how is that affecting? Well, I'm not well read on this topic. I only know that there have been people that I know that said, oh, I got let go. I've put in 20, 25 years. I'm 55. It's ageism. Some consultant has put a label on you for which you need to be fixed or here's a pill or take my 10-day program or you need to hire me as a consultant to manage your ageism issues. I feel like, yes, bad things happen to good people. Yes, you might be let go, but you talk about this, but what do I own in all of this? Could I have been refreshing my skills? Could I have reinvented myself? Could I have become, left my legacy and trained others? Could I have applied my skills in other areas or was I stuck just doing the same old thing and really not providing any value? But even if you were providing a lot of value and they did a bad thing and getting rid of you, think about the opportunity you own to either, okay, do the same thing, find another company that appreciates me. I can consult. I can reinvent myself. I can spend some time traveling. I own me and my response to all of this. It's not ageism. Don't be victim to a label. And then and then you own that. And then you know what? It is ageism because you think you're not any good when you can provide so much value for a lot of years. That's my take on it. That's my feeling. Whether it's true or not, I still think, to your point, what do I own? What can I control? Right. And there's going to, of course, be something that happens in maybe your original thought, and you kind of woe with me it, but what are you going to do going forward? And I think that a lot of that, like you said, victimization, don't don't victimize yourself. You obviously are not there anymore, but that doesn't mean that is who you were or are. And stop basing it on that factor. That's why maybe some kids are thinking about not staying somewhere very long. So you don't have an unhealthy or that kind of attachment. Yeah, I know. Several different factors. I think we're going to be exploring a lot of different things that are going to start coming up and they're going to be related to one another. You know, what's interesting here is the dynamic changed with you. When I was asking you questions, you can answer them, but maybe a little bit tentative, trying to find the right words to express yourself. When you ask me questions and then you moderate, this is what I hear, this is my response. Ooh, 
you're in a different comfort zone. <laughs> think about it. I'm working on it. I am thinking about it because really I was not thinking about that. And I was like, I will be on other people's if they ask me to go. But a friend did suggest you need to start either your own or you need to start hosting. So I think I'm starting to have that kind of mindset. That's why when I'm with someone doing theirs, I do ask them questions because I'm interested on their take. I didn't know what was going to develop out of that. You're the first one to point out my perspective. Because you know, you said you ask a question, you answer it, and then you have your guest. I ask, you answer, and then I come in and say something towards it so I can see the frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did it. You did it well. You did it well. Thank you. I appreciate that. I will definitely take it in consideration that hopefully here in a couple of months, I will have somewhere where, hey, where can you find me? And I'll be speaking on lots of different subjects until I get a niche or home it in. But yes, I am thinking about that as well. Many thanks for hanging with myself and Tanisha. If you like this episode and want more of these fluid conversations, let me know so we can continue to evolve the Drop-In CEO podcast or spin off a new series. I love feedback. And just know, all I want to do is continue to bring you great value. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.